I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech through its paces. I know we've got a lot to get to today, but I'm super excited, Austin, to tell you how my PC build went. And it's going to be later on in the episode. Ah, oh, you clickbaited me. I've done it. It's, t- it's behind me. It's alive? It's alive. It's sitting behind me. We'll talk about it later because we have a bunch of other little things that I want to get to first. Um, I noticed in our show document that you wanted to give a little update about the Galaxy Buds Pro. Yeah, this is going to be really quick. But um, since we recorded the last episode, mm-hmm. Samsung have released... Actually, I think it's two different firmware updates wow. for the Galaxy Buds Pro. Dude, they are so much better. I wish the Apple would do this for the AirPods Max. Well, with the battery drain? Oh, uh, the battery problem is driving me bananas. <sighs> I leave them in the case, right? As you're supposed to, the stupid case. And mm-hmm. I come back to it the next day, and the battery's dead from 100%. And it's like, I don't know what this thing is doing. But it, the other thing, that, I think the thing that annoys me most is it is inconsistent. Some days, the battery's fine. And then other days, it's just completely dead. So... Blah, drives me mad. It's got to be some kind of handoff thing, right? Where like, so I was actually, I I have a pair. I don't use them super often because they're just sort of like my home sort of headphones. But I noticed the other day I was switching over. I haven't had any of these battery issues, to be fair. But I've had issues where it will randomly switch to the AirPods Max, even when I'm like in another room. Yeah, and like I've the other this. day, it it like pulled a call away. Like I was on the phone. It must have switched over to the headphones that were closed in the case in the other room. Because yep. it said switching to AirPod Max, then half a second later, the call just like closed off. I think there's I think there's two things that could potentially be going wrong here. One is that they're just not they're just not letting the Bluetooth connection go, right? Mm-hmm. My pet theory is it's an issue with the proximity sensors. Oh, so interesting. When you have it in the case, I have it not in the case, but on down, the proximity sensors are triggering that ears are in the headphones. Ah. So it's keeping them on. It's keeping them connected. That's my pet theory. Whatever it is, uh, I have, it hasn't been fixed. I haven't seen anything from Apple to suggest that there even is a problem. <laughs> uh, but, and it's just a surprise to me because I know that these product, this product hasn't really done, I assume, the biggest numbers. But I've been talking about this in a few of my shows for a while, and I get people uh, saying that they have this issue. And then I know you've had it. I saw our mm-hmm. friend uh, Quinn was talking about it on Twitter too. So like, it's, it's not just like I'm doing something weird or you're doing something weird. That seems to be an issue with this product. And the thing that, that annoys me about it is it's making me use them less because I get frustrated when I pick them up yeah. and they're dead. So I'm more likely to just use my AirPods Pro. But I really love my AirPods Max when they work. Yeah, yeah. I was so... We'll talk about it uh, in a minute, but I actually edited an entire video using the AirPods Max, which is the first time I've edited an entire video using Bluetooth headphones, maybe ever. Uh, and a part of that, obviously, like part of the latency and stuff, but also just they sound really nice. They're comfortable. It's nice to be able to move back and forth. But on the flip side, these Galaxy Buds Pro, I know I'm beating like a, a dead horse here, uh-huh. but like, dude, these things have actually gotten so much better with these updates, right? First of all, Almost all of the issues I talked about last time have been solved, right? So the yeah. idea of kind of hearing that like little bit of like crinkling with like, you know, when you're wearing a hoodie or anything like that, like the noise cancellation has gotten much more robust. It no longer does that kind of really jerky kind of like going in and out of the transparency. So as soon as I start talking, it dims down, it will stay down, and then it will gently come back up so it's not really jarring. And honestly, just the whole like kind of the the experience of using them has gotten so much better. I'm really 
really happy with these things. Talking about headphones. So did you see everything that's going on with our favorite company at the moment? <laughs> Nothing? No, 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 no. They don't get to be our favorite company. They don't exist yet. That I'm, is I'm pretty not sure a- <laughs> I'm pretty sure that nothing is becoming is or is about to become a pet company of this show right like we get on these trains every now and then and i think this is one of them so a few things have been going on first off they announced a partnership with teenage engineering and teenage engineering they're a company that makes weird beautiful looking retro products Mm-hmm. So, like, the, and the, the types of products that Teenage Engineering have made really span the gamut. They made, like, these beautiful headphones. They make these pocket synthesizers. Um, they make, re- like, they make things that are, they made a, uh, they did a thing with Ikea for audio and lighting products once. I remember seeing that. They kind of make a mix between things that are really beautiful and simple and things that are really whatever the technology version of rustic would be right sure like, yeah yeah there's yeah. a bunch of wires sticking out of it it's like this is what tech was supposed to be in 2020 if you were making a guess in 1980 what we would be living as that's that's so perfect as a as a, uh, as a way to describe the type of aesthetic they have so this is really interesting to me so Nothing and teenage engineering going to work together they're called teenage engineering is a founding partner of nothing Teenage engineering CEO is going to be nothing's creative lead. And teenage engineering's vice head of design is going to be nothing's head of design. And they have a joint product roadmap together. Now, this is interesting, but really weird because if nothing isn't making their own products, what is it? Well, nothing is a company which is only months old, really. Yeah. Right. So if they're trying to launch products this summer, you know, inside mm-hmm. of a year, it does make sense that by partnering with a sort of more established company who has like sort of that quirky aesthetic, but also has, I would assume, all the relationships, all the design yeah. shops, all that stuff that they can kind of bring to the table. It's sort of an easy way to kind of jumpstart the company and get things started. And it answers the question we had last time, which is how can a company that's just starting have a private products available in a few months? This is what we were talking about last time. The answer is you just slot yourself in with a company that's already in all of these processes. Yeah, but it's just interesting yeah. to me that you would start a technology company and not have your own employees i mean and but whatever the corporate structure is is kind of weird because it seems like now key people at teenage engineering now have two jobs yeah like i mean there have been certainly design firms over the years really sort more so kind of like in the 80s and the 90s i felt like it was a little bit more prevalent that you know there would be these very famous designers who would essentially be designing products that you know apple or dell or whatever would be outsourcing to them right like that was a fairly common thing yeah this really makes me think of frog design yes yes so they were a company uh i think it was back in the 80s and and uh, Mm -hmm. maybe yeah i think it was in the 80s uh helped apple design some products and some concepts uh when they were a time where they they needed some help yeah. And I mean, this is not like even like a tech industry thing necessarily, right? I mean, even in the car space, there have been these very famous designers like Atala Design and, and Carmen. Like, actually, there was this car 
the Volkswagen Carmen Ghia, right? It was something that back when, you know, in ye olden days when you would actually have like sort of manufacturers design the bodies and design the things sort of separate from the actual right. vehicles themselves, right? I mean, this stuff kind of goes back years and it, 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 it's reasonable, right? I don't know if the idea here is that nothing in teenage engineering eventually merge or one buys the other. Like, mm-hmm. something happens there. It seems like kind of they're setting it up for if there's success here that it kind of becomes some nothing conglomerate. But it's interesting. The problem, though, is that they've shown, well, like, they've, they've not shown a product still. We're still talking about them. And they've shown a concept of something that's not going to come out. Yep. Well, okay. So this... They seem to have released their first thing together from a from a visual perspective, and we knew that they were working on um, wireless earbuds as their first product. And this is a concept; it's just a couple of images of what is very clearly a wireless earbud, and it looks freaking cool, man. Just a few years age difference between us, but I think mm-hmm. that we're both still at the age where I know when I was younger, there was a trend of electronics to see through cases. Oh yeah. And it's a thing that doesn't really exist today, like in, in mainstream electronics. This is like a big thing in video game uh, hardware. Like I had an SNES controller that was see-through and I friggin' love that thing. Oh yeah, the clear Game Boy Man? Yes. There was like a there was a bunch of that kind of stuff. And that's basically what this what they're calling design concept one is an earbud of a clear case. And they're saying that this isn't the final design, but it's the road that they're working on. The final design may sport similar elements like translucent construction. I think that this is a, we're working on something that's radically different. We want to see how people react to it. Mm-hmm. And then we might change course. Uh, but I would be surprised, honestly, if their first headphones look that much different to what we've seen today. Yeah. And like, if you think about the idea that you're a brand new brand, that, you know, your whole ethos is nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Something like going into that clear aesthetic is cool. And I mean, this is not something that is sort of revolutionary, not even like in the last few years, right? I mean, if you look at what Zach has done with J-Rig Everything and and D-Brand with the the teardown skins and Mm -hmm. whatnot, there's already been kind of some seeds of this that was back in in the OnePlus days, right? So there's certainly an appetite, and I would say I would be 100% down for more devices that kind of show off the inner workings, right? Some of these things are beautiful. And even a pair of headphones, which is admittedly a little bit more simple than something like a smartphone or whatever on the inside. Still, though, when you get into that look, it's nice. Now, whether or not a clear, like, sort of plastic headphone, once it starts getting all gunky and dirty from being in your ears, looks as clean and as aesthetic as it will sort of from day one, I don't know. But I'm down with this idea I will say, though, I'm kind of ready to just see product. I'm kind of not like I feel like we've been kind of like they've been teasing and teasing and they're trying to build this hype up. And there is this hype, yep. but I'm kind of getting to the point where like, OK, cool. You got like a lot of hype. Can you just show me the products now? Because I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm being being sort of strung along at this point. I have this very strange feeling, which I don't really recall for other types of tech companies in a while where I am both curious and dubious at the same time. Mm. Like, I really want to see what they're working on, but I also kind of don't believe in any of it, which is <laughs> very strange because it's like all of the way that they're launching the company just seems weird to me. The idea that they're going to have products available 
soon is weird to me. But at the same time, there's a pedigree there now, and the, the mm-hmm. pedigree's even more established now that they're working with teenage engineering. But I'm not sure they're going to be able to pull it off. But this, it's all very, it's all very up in the air for me. This one, it feels like it's a hype machine that is obviously developing for a brand new company a ton of interest, which mm-hmm. is ultimately, I mean, that's a huge part of what makes it successful. Yep, I, it'll probably be good. It'll probably be decent. My expectations are still fairly low. I just feel like they do need if this if they're shipping something i mean let's not forget i mean they're aiming to ship these earbuds uh, this summer right we're talking just a few months away if they're still in the like we're trying to understand what the the aesthetic of this thing will look like or we haven't finished the design for something that should be going on sale in like three or four months i mean look I, i'm sure that they're very talented with the supply chain and turning stuff around but like look g- g- give me the product okay let's let's not let's not mess around here i i get that you're i'm sure working at light speed and stuff but I, I want to see what it's all about. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. But I do think a little bit about, like, they're not going to be able to keep this level of hype up if they drag it out for much longer, right? Like, I feel like we need to see the final design, the price, whatever features, like, whatever their real pitches, they need to put the cards on the table soon. Because otherwise, I don't know, man, it just it starts to look a little bit suspicious that maybe we're not seeing this magical pair of earbuds in the next few months. You know, they're very much like leaning into the hype. And look, we are in an age of hype, right? Like we're mm-hmm. going to talk about NFTs in a bit. Like hype is very much a thing right now. Like it's it's driving a lot of pop culture. But and like so maybe they just lean into that and only make like 20 <laughs> pairs available because they won't be oh. able to make them in time. Or whatever. What if what if what if you can only purchase the earbuds as an NFT? What if it's like oh, three no. levels deep in the meta? That's, how, know, that's how they make the money. You got to pay teenage out, engineering somehow. <laughs> this episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After the year we've all been through, saving money is on our mind. If that's you, I mean, should be. We're all in that boat, I think. If you're still paying wild amounts of money every month for wireless, what are you doing? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. For people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for that incredible price, which is $15 a month. But going online only, eliminating the traditional costs of retail so they can pass those savings, those significant savings, directly onto you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Using your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, you'll be able to keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Austin, can you tell our test drivers listeners how easy it is to get Mint Mobile set up? I mean, it's incredibly simple. They'll send you the SIM card directly out. You throw it in your phone. And in just a matter of a few minutes, you can get up and activated on that super fast 5G network without paying the super high 5G tax. So you can get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get that plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash test drivers. That's mintmobile.com slash test drivers to cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. One more time at mintmobile.com slash test drivers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So you uh, asked me to do a little guest cameo in a video that you just put up about our friend, the NFT. Yes, yes. So... 
this has been a, a pet project for the last few weeks, right? And I'm actually just going to preface this by being a little vague, but there is a very real opportunity for this video to have already disappeared by the time this podcast goes live. Okay. I, I'm not going to say anything else besides that. There is a thing that will happen that will automatically delete this video. The Austin Evans hype machine. I don't know what this is, so I'm excited <laughs> to see what's going on here. <laughs> Look, if you're listening to the podcast right now and the video is still live, the trigger hasn't happened, right? But there is something that could happen that will trigger this video to disappear, and I will wow. leave it at that. But regardless, if you have seen we'll follow up on this that video in the next episode, <laughs> what, about what on earth happened to on maybe, NFT video? Maybe who knows? So with the with the idea of NFTs, right? And so I, I don't think we have the time to go into the entire explanation on the episode today, but essentially. The idea of NFTs has absolutely blown up online over the last, really over the last like month or two. I feel like it's gotten yeah. really, really big. But things like NBA Top Shots. This is because of GameStop. Yeah. Yeah. I really a lot think of that there is like a direct correlation between these two things. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the, like, yes, this was happening. And you mentioned like NBA Top Shot was like, a, is, is an early, it uh, is an example of this. But Mm-hmm. in its own way it's it's slightly like an offshoot it's using the underlying principles but it's its own thing right like you yeah to my knowledge you can't sell uh nba top nba top shots are not number of ethereum are they i actually don't 100 percent understand what the backbone is but they they obfuscate that anyway right so it's like yeah. it's, it's different it's like an, it's like using the principles and potentially some of the technology but in a different way but i just think mm-hmm. that like the the whole GameStop thing really created that it was almost like the pinnacle of the fact that like day trading had been growing during the pandemic anyway. Yep. And I think that then when people, it was like once the GameStop thing, the hype of it was over, I think people were just looking for the next thing and then NFTs walked through the door. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where on the surface, it seems kind of like a crazy concept to spend real money on essentially a certificate of authenticity that you own a GIF or a JPEG or what have you, right? Like these digital pieces of art yep. or in the case of a Top Shot, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a highlight from, from an NBA game or something, yep. right? But spending some time with it, chatting with you about it, and a friend of mine, Justin Mahler, he recently, he's been, for the record, like, he's been a digital artist for, like, 20 years, right? He's made a lot of art that not only I've used in, like, videos and stuff with the facets, and he's he's developed a lot of really, really cool projects over the years. Everyone knows his facets collection of art. Like, if you've been following tech or youtube for a number of years like you will have seen his artwork everywhere and you will also see a lot of people inspired by his artwork mm-hmm. creating um wallpapers and stuff that look like it yeah and when he did this drop like i had been talking with him before he had announced it he had never done a drop before and i remember talking with him about it and uh i was like you know i was gonna keep an eye on it i was like okay cool you know i want to you know support my friend and stuff and so I opened up uh, his page, I don't know, like 20, 30 minutes after it had gone live, thinking like, oh, if it's like 50 bucks or whatever, I'll go buy one. And I was floored to see he'd sold thousands and thousands 
of NFTs. And mind you, I mean, there's an incredible story behind it. I don't want to spoil the video too much, but there's an incredible story behind it. And the art he did is honestly, it's so different, but it's so like cool and unique. And it's it's awesome, right? And yeah. I say that as a biased friend of his. But as soon as I saw that, right, it went from like NFTs with like this vague concept, like I kind of knew what was going on. I knew that some people were making money, but I didn't really think too much about it to my mind was blown. And mm -hmm. I, ever since that day, was obsessed with it to the fact where I like took this video. This is like a secret skunk works project for me. <laughs> um, I like, I completely did this video like off the grid from our normal content. That's part of the reason why the secret uh, disappearing bit is built into the video um, where I just started getting creative with a stupid video and I like went deep and just kept like shooting more and more and expanding and redoing it and redoing it. And finally yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? This thing needs to be done. I'm going to finish it. It needs to go live because like the, the idea of NFTs, like every blog, every YouTuber, it feels like has done something on NFTs yeah. and the craziness. It's such a good headline, right? So for me, it was like, I need to get this thing out. But it's been a long time since I've been like this personally invested in a video I've made. Because typically when we're making content, right? I mean, it's, there's there's an entire assembly line, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like we all go and we pitch the ideas and we work through them and then we shoot and then it gets passed off to edit queue. And honestly, at this point, when it comes to, to main channel stuff, we're shooting videos month, month and a half, two months in advance of when they go live, right? I yeah. mean, we've got, a, uh, we've got a real sort of assembly line of content here. But this video, it was such a new concept. And to me, it was something that I was so excited about that I was like, you know what? We're throwing it all out the window. I'm going to go grab the camera, not tell anyone, and just start shooting this thing on my own. And yeah, it was, it, I, I'm happy with how the video came out, even though it's, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a crazy topic, man. It is a crazy I think topic. At a fundamental level, we both agree in the idea of like, you should owning digital art is the same as owning any kind of art the fact that it's the format shouldn't make a difference yeah um, like just because i can screenshot your artwork doesn't devalue the ownership of it because mm -hmm. we only you know all all art all objects really that the value is what we prescribe to them you know like the effort that went into it the rarity of it you know it's like why is an nba top shot not valuable if a baseball a basketball trading card is because a basketball sure. trading card is a tiny piece of paper um mm -hmm. and you know we can talk about like you know if we look at pokemon cards right the value there's there's two kinds of things with the value of pokemon cards and it's all based around scarcity and there's a value now in things that i just didn't make a lot of them back in the day and now there's a value today in things that are purposefully scarce because of the hype. And that, you know, the, it's more the latter of NFTs of like, there's a lot of hype about it. And you could make or mint like 20,000 of them of one piece of artwork, or you could mint just five NFTs of one piece of artwork. And now you've made it more scarce. You bumped up the value mm -hmm. of it potentially. Right. So, but like, this is the same as any type of property, any type of art, you know, like you buy a collectible or some description, somebody's decided how many of those things are going to get made, right? Like, so I just think like on a fundamental level, I don't have a problem with the necessarily the economics of it. Uh, definitely the kind of the thought behind it of like what art is and what art is worth. Of course, there is a cloud over this, which is the environmental impact 
of yeah. the mining involved. And my hope is that if I believe that this is going to be a thing, like we're definitely in a hype slash fad right now, but it will calm down. And you made a really great point comparing it to Bitcoin, right? Of like, mm-hmm. there was an initial just gold rush and then it dipped and now it's going back up again, but it definitely, you know, sometimes, not always, sometimes in a way that feels a little bit more sustainable in the sense yes. of like people believe in this and it's going to be a thing. Again, when I say sustainable, I do not mean environmentally sustainable because, again, there are issues <laughs> with all of this cryptocurrency stuff. Right. And my hope is that if this continues to become a thing in the world, these environmental factors will, will be addressed because they'll have to be. Yeah, and and there has been some progress on that front, specifically when it comes to Ethereum, which is the blockchain which backs up a lot of the NFT space. They are working to move to a different form of sort of authentication for the blockchain, which is a lot less computationally sort of relevant, which is also important because not only is it environmentally sort of, there's a huge impact on how much electricity it takes to mine one Ethereum or something, but on top of that, there's also other impacts, like, for example, when it comes to buying a graphics card, right? Yeah. Graphics cards, because Ethereum prices have come up so much, it is now pretty profitable to buy a graphics card at MSRP instead of to mining, right? Which then means that not only are you, you know, not able to have your clean air in 2025 or whatever, but also on top of that, you've also got a severe lack of graphics cards available. So there's a lot of sort of compounding things here. Mm-hmm. I I will say there was a whole part of the video that I ended up cutting out about the environmental side of things. I do think there are some people who are throwing around slightly misleading um, like statistics about it yep. because no one's really mining Ethereum just to you know buy a, uh, an NFT or something, right? I mean, these Ethereum are already being mined. NFTs are almost like a new way of using it. So I kind of slightly disagree with some people when they kind of try to frame like one NFT is like the same as the entire country running a diesel truck or something. Right, like, it's not necessarily an added yeah, impact. It's not good, though, and that was a part of the reason why I took yeah. out the video. It's like, it, obviously, none of this stuff is good, but I think no. some people slightly overhype, like, buying an NFT is like, you know, clubbing a baby seal to death. It's like, well, okay, mm-hmm. it's not quite like that. The club had already been invented. So actually, no, you know, that's a bad analogy. We're going to move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> the club had already been invented. It's it was, just, it was sitting there. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. We couldn't accept it was bad, but I understood the point that you were trying to make. The thing that's really stuck in my brain, because uh, something that you told me about, was that, and I just think this is the best thing about it, and this is what makes me really believe in NFTs as a thing, is that every time an item is resold. So like I could create a piece of artwork and Austin could buy it by the NFT and then Austin can resell it to somebody else for a higher price because of market forces. But every time an NFT is resold, the original artist gets a cut of the sale. Yeah. And I just think that that is so right and so fair that if the value of a piece of art continues to grow, the original artist should profit from that. That feels fair to me. And it's a thing that is built in. It's different platforms uh, have different things, but essentially it's something that can be burned into that contract, right? And again, there was so much of this that I ended up leaving out of the video just because Super I didn't complex. want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I was trying to make it very like easy to understand because honestly, I was kind of understanding a lot of this sort of as I was sort of making the video, right? Mm-hmm. But you can essentially burn in a lot of different things to the contract when it comes to purchasing an NFT, which is in the blockchain, right? So forever, 
every time that is bought or sold, if you choose to, right? Not every, not every platform does it, not every artist does it, but if you choose to, you can say, okay, 10% of the, the purchase of this Ethereum token is gonna come back to me, the original artist, right? There are even crazier versions of this where if you want, you can say, set a limited edition of like, I'm gonna make five of these NFTs. And mm -hmm. if someone can buy all five and give them to me, I can burn them off and I can give you a true one of one limited edition. Like there are a lot of interesting sort of things that you can do with this because essentially you can sort of come up with a lot of pretty innovative concepts, burn it into that initial contract. And whether or not it actually ever happens remains to be seen. But you can have a lot of this stuff sort of built in that is essentially sort of there forever. So they're no. cool ideas. There's a lot of really interesting things. I do not think this is the last we've heard of the space. I do foresee a little bit of a, a bursting of the bubble at some point. I think oh, for it's sure. just, but that's it's, fine. it's too hot. It's too hot right now. Yeah, it's totally fine. And that should happen because it's too elevated right now. And, mm -hmm. and But, you know, what will come out of it is hopefully a new way for digital and, and internet-focused artists to make a living. And yes. I think that, that, and I'm all for that. Like, I yeah. just hope that, as you say, the, the bubble bursts because it needs to because it's getting a little bit uh, too much in some instances. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also, I do think that it's really important that continued efforts are put on the environmental factors of it just because we don't need to keep adding new things to this planet. To <laughs> like, <laughs> we kind of, we struggle in a little bit on resources. Uh, yeah. So it would be great if we could find ways, considering this is all done by computers, to like just chill it out a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I feel relatively good about that long term. I think that things will get better over yeah. time between yeah. like the, the Ethereum blockchain, sort of the, the advancements they're making there, and also just the idea of computing getting less and less resource intensive. Uh, obviously, we'll have to see. Right now, I do think it's in a fairly bad place, but I don't think you can really blame that on NFTs. I think that's just sort of it's the That's same thing if you buy crypto. a Bitcoin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like it, the the actual form of what you hold that crypto in is not entire, entirely relevant because it needs to be mined one way or another. So there's a lot there. But for me, it was, it's been a really interesting journey and I can't wait for the Mike Hurley one yeah. of one limited edition beard art to drop because I will be first in line to buy that. It's a good selfie. Just my best selfie. There's one thing we need to talk about from your video though. Uh oh, okay. Your Pokemon card collection. <laughs> Ooh, what? Buddy. what Pokemon card? There's a let's get it keeps getting bigger, huh? We're going like three <laughs> rows deep and high now on the boxes, <laughs> the stacks on stacks on stacks that you've got going on. I have a question for you. I have a few questions for you actually. I'm looking at a still okay. video right now. Okay. Why are some of these boxes in boxes, like plastic boxes? What's going on here? So those are elite trainer boxes. Right. Um so I am attempting to collect most of the elite trainer boxes. I'm still missing some. Some are just wildly expensive. Um, so they're actually serial containers. So oh, you actually... Oh, clever. There's a... Target here sells a serial container. Here's a pro tip for anyone who collects Pokemon cards. Target sells a serial container, which is, I swear, the exact dimension of an elite trainer box. And it is like a airtight seal because it's got like a little rubber gasket for keeping your cereal fresh. Um, so 
I am doing that to stack up all of my sweet boxes. Also, it does a really nice job of making them nice and neat. You're not, you know, the cardboard doesn't get a little like sort of tilted on one side. They stack. They properly stack, right? It's very nice. Yes. So that's what's going on with the boxes. So I'm looking at this now. So the Elite Trainer boxes, it's just like a, are these just boxes full of booster packs or are there other things inside? Yeah, Elite Trainer boxes have usually eight to ten booster packs. They also right. have a couple of other things. They have sleeves. Uh, some of them have promo cards. Uh, a couple of random bits and bobs. But yeah, it's primarily uh, just sealed booster packs that are inside the, the Elite Trainer boxes. Your plan here just you just want to hold these, like you're buying them to hold them. I for now, I like the idea of trying to have a collection of at least one unopened uh, of uh-huh. most of the Elite Trainer boxes. Um, it's a little bit more attainable than trying to like collect like one of every booster box. I mean, unless you're Logan Paul, that's not particularly feasible. Because these are like now, right? Like, because a lot of the 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 hi- biggest hype in Pokemon cards is mm-hmm. collecting the older cards, but these are yes. current cards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of yeah. the sealed product that I have right now is less than six, seven years old, right? It's, it's yeah. all the little bit more attainable stuff because I don't want my wife to yell at me and 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 buy a a, a first edition booster box or some stupidness from Logan Paul because. The fact that uh, you've got that collection going on behind you and your wife isn't yelling at you, I think is a pretty <laughs> decent, you've got a pretty decent thing going on anyway. I'll take a win when I can get one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OnePlus have an event coming up uh, on March 23rd. They've announced it. It's uh, They haven't really said a lot right now, but it's it seems like this is probably going to be it's what they're calling the OnePlus 9 series. So that's probably going to be, what, the OnePlus 9 and OnePlus 9 Pro, maybe? Probably. There's been some talk about maybe some light or, or like, lower-end OnePlus 9 okay. that might join the rank as well. But, yeah, it seems like that's where they're leaning. So they've really, really sort of hyped up the idea that they have partnered up with Hasselblad. Yeah. Now, I... Eh, okay. A lot of thoughts here. Hasselblad is a very famous camera company, right? They make these medium format cameras that take some of the world's most beautiful portraits, right? Very, very nice cameras. And some of these Hasselblads cost like obscene amounts of money. The thing is, though, this is not a Hasselblad designed camera. They're not taking a medium format camera and slapping it on the back of your OnePlus. This is a licensing deal. This is supposedly Hasselblad's helping with like the color science and it's I believe it's like a three-year partnership or something they, they they're putting like a large amount of money into this investment on the OnePlus and the Hasselblad side to essentially make OnePlus cameras better the problem is Mike you know the last time that Hasselblad did something like this was this little thing called the Moto Mod do you remember Moto Mods I do remember Moto Mods yeah so this was essentially a little like attachment. It was a magnetic attachment you could drop on the back of a series of Motorola cameras or sorry, Motorola phones from was it 2015, 2016, 2017, that kind of era. And they had a Hasselblad Moto Mod that you could just slap on. It is zoom lens, all this kind of stuff. It was a straight up terrible like point and shoot camera that they just had dropped the Hasselblad name on. It was very bad. So uh, with that being the last time that uh, Hasselblad did something in the mobile space, my expectations are not particularly high on this one. Although at least OnePlus does seem to be approaching it from a little bit of a more substantial standpoint. You know, they've got the $150 million and the multiple years where it seems like 
this year, the Hasselblad stuff is mostly limited to the color science and some of the, the back-end things. But theoretically, with that kind of money behind it and with, you know, some, I'm sure, very smart Hasselblad engineers, the camera systems will make strides going forward. But it does seem a little bit more like a marketing thing and less like a, hey, we're just going to make our cameras better style thing. Well, you've got to hope that they will have something, right? In the sense of the cameras being better. Like, I, and I understand what you're saying, and I, and I completely agree with you. Uh, but you've got to hope that at least, like, the partnership starts with the new camera being really good, even if Hasselblad mm-hmm. isn't involved in the fact that the camera might be really good or not, you know? Yeah. It, so we, we're, we're getting, like, bits and, and leaks, and a lot of this is probably going to be out of date by the time the episode goes live, because I feel yeah. like every 10 minutes... To drop in some other spec on Twitter, but the fundamental issue with OnePlus phones, and I wouldn't say it's a huge issue, but is that the cameras still aren't amazing, right? Like they've got good hardware. They become speaking. Ca- like possible to the point it feels yeah. like where because it, the rest of the phone's so good, you you're more likely to want to use it because you can get by with a camera, which wasn't the case mm-hmm. before. It was like ah, if only the camera, right? But now it seems like maybe in the last year or two they've been able to get the phones to the point where you feel like you can accept the camera not being the best now because and everything else is so good, so you kind of let it go. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, any steps forward are great. The problem is is that, and this is actually the thing that when we talked about last time with the, with the Xperia 5 Mark II that I was using, there's a very big gap between companies who've really invested heavily in computational photography, think Google, think Samsung, think Apple, they have a really clear lead right now because so much of this is done. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, it's just software, but it's really complicated software. It takes years and years to develop these stacks and to really kind of integrate it well with the hardware that you're putting on these phones. It's hard, right? There's a lot that goes into this. And I know that OnePlus are working on it. And certainly, the word $150 million around is the idea of what their investment is. That sounds like a lot, but I don't know. Does Apple spend... $500 $500 million a year working on the iPhone camera? We have no idea, right? So it's it's hard to put a number like that in mm-hmm. context, especially when you make such a big deal about the marketing side of it, and less so about, and obviously we haven't seen the event, so maybe they'll show us much stuff. But so far, it just seems like, hey, this is a Hasselblad camera, just the same way that Sony touts the, the Zeiss coding on their lenses or whatever, right? It's like, there's a lot of marketing speak here, which traditionally hasn't really meant much. If my mind has changed and suddenly this is a huge deal and the camera's way better, awesome. But the the sort of my priors going into this are not wildly favorable when you slap a, a big camera name brand on your phone and say, hey, look, guys, we made it better this year. So we'll know. I mean, one of the things that they've announced already is that they're keeping their charges in the box, which... <laughs> That's very one what a 2021 thing style uh, announcement, right? Yeah. Hey, you know the thing we've always included? Yeah, we're keeping it, right? This is an announcement we're going to make ahead of time. Guess what? Chargers in the box. Ah, oh, what yeah, a world. Fine. Man. I'm sure next year they won't. All right. Like it's just like you know. <laughs> yeah, you are right. You, you, you make hay. Uh, fine. Mm-hmm. Go for it. I will say though, OnePlus chargers are though usually pretty good, right? They have I mean, those big you look beefy like, ones, right? Like yeah, the warp charge. Yeah. So I, I'm 
I'm more okay with uh, with the idea that they're keeping one of their legitimately best features included. It's more of a selling point for them, isn't it? I guess as, as you're yeah. right, like then it would be for a company like Samsung. Like but one of the things, oh, why do you get OnePlus? It charges super fast, right? Yeah, like, that's the thing that they've done for a while. You expecting anything specific, like or? Is there anything that you know, there are a bunch of rumors or whatever? But is there anything yeah. that you're expecting, um, or anything that you think they need to do? I don't know. I mean, OnePlus going through 2020, we're in a good place, right? They yep. had a really solid lineup of phones. I think they maybe have gone a little too hard on the low end, right, with some of the Nord stuff. But generally speaking, they're in a good place. The number one thing I would say going into this is the camera. Um, which was a little bit of a weakness last year, especially when you look at how good like the S21 is, for example, or the iPhone 12. And so, I mean, it's certainly what they're talking about most. So I will say that that seems promising. But outside of that, I mean, I'm mostly going to be curious just to see where they come down on price points, right? We know that the software is going to be good. We know they're going to have, you know, these great displays. There's, There's a lot of that kind of stuff that seems like a fairly... You can take that for granted, right? But I'm curious to see what they do on the price side of things because we've seen so not only Samsung kind of lower their prices to be a little bit more competitive. Mm. We've seen, obviously, the iPhone has still been, quote-unquote, reasonably priced, right? When you look at, like, the iPhone 12 and even, like, the 12 Pro, it's not it's not in these kind of crazy, super expensive prices that it looked like was going to give OnePlus the, the wide-open field, right? When Samsung are selling their cheapest flagship at $1,000, and OnePlus have their absolute max version of it barely touching that price. I mean, that's still a big price gap. But now that Samsung has come down a little bit, I'm going to be curious to see what does OnePlus do? Do they stick with, you know, the six, seven, dollars $800 price point for their, for their lineup? Do they spread it out? Do they try to make some super high-end version? Or is it a thing where they still want to keep that slight discount compared to the Samsungs and the Apples of the world and maybe they lower their prices in exchange? That's going to be the main thing that I want to see with this. This episode is brought to you by SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast. I love finding new podcasts. I love finding new podcasts and listening to their back catalogs. It's super great. You can catch up with a bunch of stuff, especially if it's not that topical. You can go, well, not that uh, like news focused. It's more topical. You can go back and listen to a bunch of things. And this is another show that you can maybe add to your list, SyncUp. It takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn about how to connect your files, your documents, and work from anywhere, which is something that is becoming all the more important in the modern world. And you'll also get to hear about the design and development side of things too, if that is of interest to you. Every episode has a dedicated topic with guest interviews featuring news and announcements and something special outside of the technology norm. Some recent episodes have included how to enhance mobile productivity for you and your work, automation, and uh, data compliance and governance as well. These are all things that are super important in the workplace. I checked out an episode recently where they were talking about how collaboration is becoming something of focus in, in the modern working world. From a technology perspective, this means the tools and services that we use, but it's also about how we work together in teams, especially when we're distributed. And this episode is full of insights for how huge companies can make this stuff work for them. So go and check it out right now. Just search for Sync Up wherever you get your podcasts. That's S-Y-N-C-U-P, or just check the link in the show notes. Go check it out right now. Our thanks to Sync Up from Microsoft for their support of this show and Relay FM. The time has come. Oh, yeah. For months and months, we have been building to this point where I finally amassed all of the parts <laughs> and I've built 
my PC. This has been like a super long time, like from when I wanted to do it back to when I bought my uh, graphics card. Like that was the first thing that I acquired. And then I was like off to the races then, but slowly. Wow. Uh, I have created a PC part picker part list. Um, if you want me to just run through everything that I used. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Right, man. I think it's maybe good for a refresher. So I have an, uh, my CPU is an AMD Ryzen 9 5900X, which was given to me by a kind benefactor. Uh, I, I used the <laughs> Noctua NHD 15 cooler because I wanted air cooling. I wasn't interested in water cooling. Um, we went with the Asus Prime X570 Pro motherboard. This was the thing we really struggled with, and there were some particular struggles around that, which I'll talk about. <laughs> uh, Corsair Vengeance RGB Pro, 32 gigabytes. So I went with 32 gigabytes of RAM. You got the white one, because uh, I got the... Uh, my case was the Lian Li 011 Dynamic Mini, and I got that in white, so I wanted some some white stuff going on. The, the Asus motherboard has some white parts to it too. Uh, Samsung 980 Pro, one terabyte um, SSD. My graphics card is the Radeon RX 6800 XT. I'm using a Silverstone SFX 800 watt power supply. Um, I also uh, went with some additional case fans, the LL120 from Corsair. And I also put got an asus uh wireless network adapter it's just something that i wanted which was something we were going backwards and back and forth on quite a lot about trying to find a board that had wi-fi on board Mm because it was just something that i wanted to be able to take advantage of on bluetooth as well um and we ended up just getting i just just got an adapter because it just ended up being like it, it, it it was becoming restrictive in certain ways right for me to try and find uh a board that had it on built in and still get all the other features that i wanted man i gotta say i'm very excited do you actually have a photo of the build i actually have not seen what it looks oh, like oh yeah yet. yeah i can send you a picture hold on i'm very yeah. excited because with the the whole color scheme i think was one of the big things we're just trying to make sure that this is this is a mic pc right we can't just yep. build any pc it's got to blend in to the studio it's got to be ready is this actually ever going to go over to mega studio or is this going to be the- your home system no, it it will live at the studio. Like that's that's the goal for this thing. Let me send you a couple of pictures. So I have like um, an, uh, just an RGB tricked out version, uh, and then just like <laughs> of course a, a, a close up of, of how I'm actually running it, which is just all the lights are white. That's how I'm actually running the machine. Um, so you, I, I'll also put ah, those in the show notes nice. too, so people can see them. Uh, so that's kind of where I, like kind of the visuals of it. Um, uh, let me oh one thing i'll say actually super thankful that the uh two days before i was going to build the machine you put up a f- half an hour long gaming pc <laughs> build video and there is a super weird coincidence with this so okay. and it almost seems like it wouldn't be one because the first pc that i built a few years ago i mm-hmm. uh we were dming a bit and i asked for some advice from you for for some mm-hmm. parts and you helped me out with some parts about like what to buy. And then a couple of days before I built it, you put up a big long video about how to build a gaming PC. And then you did it again this time. It's these things are unrelated. Like, I don't believe you put up this video because you knew I was going to build my PC. But I... it's just like a very strange coincidence to me that every time I want to build a PC, you put up a 30 minute long video about how to build a PC. I mean, I, I will say it was, it was not planned. I make that video, the PC tutorial, I make one every year. 
I make it as detailed and thorough as I can with whatever new parts. But no, I cannot say that I specifically made you a 30-minute tutorial. I wish I had been that thoughtful going forward. <laughs> no, it was. It, I'll tell you right now, uh, it was an incredible help to me. Because look, I've done this twice, right? So like, I don't, this isn't something that I particularly remember how to do very often, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, uh, you know, and so it's, and it's a complicated process. And there is an element of getting things in the right order, which seem important, yeah. right? Like you want to just mm -hmm. make sure you're getting things in the right order. So I was very thankful to have uh, this video. I watched it all once, just from, honestly, for entertainment purposes, because I just like watching people build PCs. And then when I was building everything, I was just kind of like, I would watch a part, do that thing, like I pause it, and then I would go back, do the next thing. So I would say the 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 process of actually putting all of the parts together was easier for me this time than last time. Partly Good. because I was confident, much more because I've already done it once. And plus, you know, just with all of my other hobbies over the last year, I Genu generally feel more confident with electronics than I have before, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, doing the stuff that I've been doing around keyboards, whilst it's not the same, I'm I'm kind of more, like, hands-on with electronics than I have been in years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Lian Lee case is awesome. Okay, I was really hoping you would like the O11 Mini, because yeah. I love the O11, right? But the Mini, while it is a little bit more complicated with the different configurations, with how many like PCI slots you're using, especially when you put like water cooling in it, like there's extra space for that, but it's also a very dense sort of system, right? There's not a lot of wasted space. You can really easily fill that entire system out. You have you know, room in the back for your, you know, your SFX power supply and to run your cables, but you don't have a lot of extra, right? Like it's very smartly designed. But I'm happy that you actually like it because I feel like it's a good blend of everything you need in a smart design, but without tons of extra space that you might not necessarily be using. Yeah, I was very happy with it. Um, it is a little complicated. Like, you know, this is something mm -hmm. that I feel like you want to spend a few minutes looking through the manual because depending on the motherboard size that you go for and stuff like that, there are additional pieces that you need to attach to the case yeah, yeah right and so i needed to add a kind of an addition to the case because i was going for a full atx board so like it comes with this like little piece of metal that you screw in basically so you can screw the additional three standoffs from the motherboard into the case otherwise you'd only be using two-thirds of the standoffs which yeah. probably isn't a good idea uh, you know, so it'll be fine. I'm sure it's it'll okay. be fine, but it's best not to. I feel like right, and and you know, again, it's like you know, depending on where your IO is and where you want to like orient the board or where you know, there's a lot of bits to screw and unscrew. But I really like the how easy it is to get into the yeah. inbuilt kind of um, cable management stuff. It's awesome. It's really nice, right? It's very cleverly done. Like I, I did not have to do a lot of work to get the cables hidden. Like even things like the like there's there's a like the there's a bunch of stuff you have to plug into the board. I think it's like I'm trying to remember this now. Sort of uh, stuff at the bottom, panel? like the USB controller, the front panel controllers yeah, yeah. and stuff. It all goes into the bottom of the motherboard, and they they have this large cutout where you can thread those things through from the back to the front 
just to keep those cables out of the way. Just like little things like that that I really liked. It had like built-in Velcro ties and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right? I love that. Like all of that stuff is really cleverly done and I appreciated it because, you know, like, I don't really want to spend a, time, a ton of time cable managing. My cable management is mostly fine. I have some stuff that I want to correct. Um, like I really hate the uh, the cable for that came from my power supply that i'm using for my graphics card like it's yeah. so bad yeah well you can fix that though if yeah. you go for some extensions right so mm-hmm. we've been doing these more and more in builds recently which is literally exactly what it sounds like right you plug in an extension from the cable coming out of your uh power supply and then generally speaking they're individually like sleeved right so instead of having like that kind of like the black little brick of cables. Yep. Instead, you'll have the individual ones and you'll just use the little combs to kind of like make sure they're nice and neat. But honestly, once you get your PC built, I mean, you can do that at any point. I mean, take like an hour or so, replug some cables in and you can sort of clean that up and you can even go with like a different color if you'd like. So that's not a really difficult mod to do to your PC. No, and I, I, I didn't know that they were extensions, but I knew that there were more like purpose-made cables for these new mm-hmm. graphics cards in a way because they are require. it seems like they're requiring different things now than they have in the past from a power perspective so yeah i this is something it's like it's on my list to do because i'm still adding to it like today i'm going to be adding a capture card into the nice. machine um so you know i'm still kind of tweaking there's a there's, I have a story for you though, and okay. you have a basic idea of the story because I needed your help a little bit, um, <laughs> but you haven't got the full experience of this story. So okay, okay, I put the whole thing together, right, right, and it went really great. Like I was confident, everything fit. You know, like I wasn't dealing with any like strange like parts or whatever. I put it all together and done the cable management. Yeah, I put it all together. I went to make sure I could post it right. So, got everything hooked up, turn the machine on, and it brings up the Asus logo, and it didn't go through to the BIOS. But there was a little message on the bottom mm-hmm. of the screen, and it's like, just press this, like, delete or F2 or whatever to go in the mm-hmm. BIOS. Mm-hmm. So plug in a keyboard, doesn't work. I plug in another keyboard. Luckily, I have a lot of keyboards. And <laughs> I was just, like, trying a bunch of stuff, and I even, like, dug out this old, like, crappy Razer membrane keyboard that I got ages ago because like my keyboards like my fancy weird keyboards doing something strange where it can't register the keys wasn't working right and so basically what had occurred here was something that we was we were concerned about is that some motherboards need to have their bios updated to work with the more recent amd processors right yep they will work with old versions of the processors but the most recent ones some uh, motherboards have a feature on them to allow you to flash a new BIOS onto it. With just USB, yeah. Yeah. This one didn't. Uh... I honestly don't understand why all... Because as well, it's like other Asus motherboards have this feature to to flash them with a USB. I don't understand why they don't all have this feature if it's a feature which obviously is needed otherwise they wouldn't have made it it's very strange so, this is a very strange uh, thing to me because the way i fix this jumping ahead is i have a uh, three series ryzen processor in my old pc so i was able to take that out put it in post it 
then do a BIOS update. Then mm-hmm. I could take the old processor out, put the new processor in, and I was good to go. But yep. if you don't have an old PC to do this with, you're kind of stuck. And there's no way of knowing you're going to have this problem until yeah. you've built it. Because some motherboards ship with the new BIOS on, some don't. You don't know what you're going to get. So it that was one of the main fears I had when we were picking out boards because... With Ryzen 5000, you have the correct motherboard, right? That motherboard is 100% compatible. Mm-hmm. But there's, like you said, there's no way of knowing, short of, I guess, if you know what the serial number like is or whatever. But as far as I know, there's no easy way of knowing if the board is already updated to work. Generally speaking, since Ryzen 5000 is like five months old at this point, most boards I've used over the last few months have already come right out of the box ready to go. Now, if you have this issue and you're not fortunate like you were to actually have an older processor that you could uh, flash, AMD actually will loan you a processor. I've never done this before, but I've heard stories where essentially you just contact AMD say, hey, I've got a problem. And as far as I know, they'll send you out like basically like a, a mostly dead chip that you really can't use for anything beyond just updating the BIOS. You take the chip out and you put your new CPU in, which is... Mm-hmm. Less than ideal. Um, There's a lot of like, AMD like to try to support their sort of boards for long periods of time. They haven't really changed their socket. Like there are advantages to this setup, right? Where you could easily have bought a board, I don't know, three years ago or something, and you could be just swapping the new stuff in. But I agree. I feel like there should be more clarity when it comes to purchasing the motherboard, whether or not it is compatible. And it shouldn't just be a, well, Put it together and cross your fingers. And if not, well, good luck trying to get it working. Yeah, it's like, I think it's great that they offer that support, right? That they'll send you one. But kind of sucks when you spent the whole day putting your PC together yep. uh, and you're excited about it. And then you're like, oh, well, I guess that doesn't work then, right? And I'll just I'll <sighs> contact their support and I'm sure that will resolve itself very quickly. <laughs> You know, but you it, actually got you had a little bit of a weird thing happen. Most oh of the boy. time when I've had this kind of issue, it well, okay, you actually had multiple weird things happen. But okay, yeah. <laughs> usually when this kind of thing happens, it just doesn't do anything, right? It won't even get to a screen, nothing pops up. That was huh. why when you initially had texted me the photo, I was like, Well, wait, that looks normal, right? When you get to that screen, yep. normally you just light it up, right? But because you weren't getting USB to show up, that's not what usually happens. Yeah, that was seemed to be my main issue, is that USB wasn't working. And like, so that would seem to be a, con- a, that was a concern because it was like, well, that might not be the problem. We might have a whole different problem right. that we haven't worked out yet because yeah. the machine turns on, everything turns on, just no USB ports were registering, either regular USB or USB C. I tried all of it and none of it was working. So the next step was, well, I need to grab the old CPU. So I, Took, them, took my old machine apart. I was using the stock cooler that came with the CPU. Mm-hmm. I unclipped it. I took off the CPU and the processor came with it. Wait. So when you pick up the cooler, yeah. it just all came up as one? The whole thing just came up as one. Which <sighs> I initially registered as a not ideal situation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd used too much thermal paste. I don't know what the uh, deal was, but that was the issue. It was it was the thermal paste had basically bonded the CPU to oh. the cooler. Oh boy! So 
look, I wasn't able to use the release arm. The pin's bent on the CPU. Mm, it's the worst case. I had a, like a, a basically an entire row of pins uh, were not oh, aligned. Oh, was it a whole row? Basically a whole row, yeah. Oh. Because it was like half of one row and then half of another, kind of like in a corner oh. pattern. So, you know, I was like, okay, I know how bad a situation I'm in here, but maybe something magic will happen if I just drop it. No, it's not going to work. I got to try dropping it onto the board. That's not working. So I was like, okay, well, what I have here is time. I have good tweezers. I am going to try and bend these pins back into place. Now, for everyone who's listening, right, if you've never built a PC, that might not sound particularly crazy. But just take a second. Google CPU pins, right? These things are tiny. On the back of a CPU, there can be thousands of these little pins. They're tiny. They're not very tall. And they're incredibly small when it comes to how much space you have to put a pair of tweezers in and try to do this. I have never... In all the years of building PCs, I have never successfully fixed bent pens. Not to say that it's happened to me all that often, thankfully, but I have never been able to, once these pens are kind of like broken over or bent or snap or whatever, that's it. That's a wrap for for when I've actually done this before. So I'm guessing this was successful. Yeah, what we have learned today is that between the two of us, I am now the better PC builder because I did I it. think that checks out. That checks out. I okay, okay. Spent- a lot of time, very careful. Because I knew if I break any of these, I'm done. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I spent, I had a, I turned on my Elgato key light. I needed a bunch of light, right? Because like, it was very mm-hmm. hard to see this stuff. And I'm just carefully just trying to bend them all back into at least what well, I was attempting. Like, I knew I wasn't going to align them, right? Mm-hmm. All I needed to do was get them close enough that when I put them into the socket, the socket would do the rest of the work for me, right? Yep. So, like, I need to get this, like, 95% of the way because the CPU socket is just a bunch of holes for these pins. So, mm-hmm. I just have to get it close enough that if I just put a little pressure, it's going to bend it all into place, which it did. There was a clicking sound <laughs> when it seated, <laughs> which wasn't nice. And I was very concerned because it's like, look, if I mess this up bad enough, I've now busted up my uh, my motherboard, right? <laughs> if I break one of these pins off inside of here, I'm never seeing it again. Uh... But I put it all together and then so it, it was like I was trying to cut some corners, right? So I put it all together. I turned it on. I hadn't put the CPU cooler on. Oh, okay. All right. Right? Because I was just like, I just want to see if this thing posts. I know I'm not going to be able to do anything here. Yeah. Uh, but it's it just like it turned on. It came off for a second. Died. Right? I was like, okay, let me spend the actual time here. So I like, because <laughs> I used the Noctua cooler, which is mm-hmm. very cool, but it is very involved to put on. Yep. Right? Yep. And it's not easy to put on because you got all these like sharp pieces of metal and you're trying to screw it in and you're just like <laughs> i like cut my knuckles so much that day yeah right? it's like because i i took that cooler on and off like two or three times in the, by the end oh why didn't you use your old stock cooler just clean up the thermal paste it's so much easier would the would i didn't know that the stock cooler would have fit on the new board. it would have been 100 fine it's all the exact same uh, okay well <laughs> nevertheless also i got thermal paste everywhere man 
just because uh, I was also just like dealing with these CPUs in my hands, right? Like <laughs> all because you know you just put it on, forget about it. Wait, wait, you didn't do like the toothpaste method, right? We're not we're not the verge over here on your small thermal amount. paste application. Small okay, amount, okay, okay, right? okay, but okay. If there's a small amount, but it's now spread out and it's all over the CPU that you've got in your hands for like an hour because yep. you're trying to right, like it, it, you're going to get it in places. So. I got it to fit in. I updated the BIOS. Then I took everything apart again, sorted it all over, and it's good to go. It took, I think the entire PC build took like 10 hours. Oh! Now, I was doing some stuff in between, right? Because like otherwise I would have lost my mind. But it was, yep. a, you know, like I was taking my time with it before I ran into this problem because it was like, I want to do this right. Plus, I enjoy, was enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. Right, so like I was really taking my time with it to enjoy that experience because it's something that, you know, it's like adult Lego, right? Like, yeah, I was having a good time that day. I was listening to some podcasts whilst flipping back between the Austin Evans video, right? Like, and just doing my thing and I'm putting it all together and I'm just trying to, you know, I was trying to do as much as I could with the cable management as I was going because I knew that it would get to a certain point. I never go back to it, right? So like, yep. While I'm in this thing, I'm going to put all the time in. I was like re- making sure to read the manuals, like really making sure that I knew what I was doing, right? Because I didn't want to mess anything up, right? Like that was important to me. I spent a lot of time putting all this stuff together. I wanted to make sure I was doing it correctly, right? Like, is this cable the right cable? Are these screws the right screws? Like laying everything out, right? Like really taking my time with it. If I would have known <laughs> that I would need to spend a couple of hours trying to fix the CPU issue, maybe I wouldn't have spent so much time savoring <laughs> the, the bill beforehand. So up until this point, I've got it good to go. I do have some more opinions, though, which I want to share. Uh, but let's take our final break of the episode. I want to thank Pingdom for their support of this week's episode of test drivers today's internet users expect a fast and reliable website experience no matter how good your content or how effective your marketing if things are loading too slowly people are going to leave with real user monitoring from pingdom you can discover how website performance issues affect your experience of your visitors so you're able to take action before your business is impacted how people experience your website will differ depending on the browser they're using the device they have and what platforms so you want to identify how people are visiting your site and how that experience will be for them so you're able to make the best optimizations that are actually informed with data making sure that you can deliver a great experience to those who matter most to you real user monitoring is an event-based solution so it is built for scalability so you can monitor millions of page views without compromising your data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM to get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required and use the code TESTDRIVERS when you sign up and you'll get a 30% discount on your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. So Mike, how did the PC... Is it? Is It's alive? It's working? It's alive. Are, are you happy? I've been using it for a couple of weeks. Um, it was, it took a long time to get everything set up. Like windows is so weird sometimes. <laughs> sure, like, sure. you know, like I'm getting errors all over the place, trying to like fix things and installing drivers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like, I ran into this super weird issue where I was opening the windows app store to download okay. some apps. Right. 
and it's saying, I can't install these apps. Right? And like one of these apps is like the Xbox app. I'm like, why? <laughs> why can't you install these apps? Right? And it was like, it just... And one of the things like, oh, make sure you're on the most recent version of Windows. And I'm like, well, I've just spent like hours doing the updates. So of course I am. And then I go to uh, the like the Windows updater. It says I'm up to date. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Let me go back and do some other stuff. And one of the things that I was trying to do is make sure I have my inputs and outputs for sound set correctly. So yeah. the settings app, and there's no sound preferences panel. And and I'm like, I know this exists because <laughs> the last two PCs that I've used has a very specific area where sound is. And the only sound preferences I could get is like the weird XP looking window. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Old school. Yeah, but yeah. When you dig down a couple of levels deep and now you're in like a time machine. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? And I'm like digging around and I end up finding out that there is a newer version of Windows, but Windows Update would not give it to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's totally fine. That wouldn't cause any problems. That seems reasonable. I mean, and it Mike, rang a bell with me that there was because I basically I installed Windows from like an old Windows USB key that I had, right? Oh, that I bought years ago. Yeah, that's gonna be right? way way low. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So okay. what it was is I remembered this. There was an update to Windows 10, which had a name that I don't remember, but I knew I remember it being like a big deal update. Mm-hmm. This is a while ago. I, I, does that ring a bell? Like I don't remember the like name of it. Redstone, maybe something like that. But there was like it was like this particular date, and every, it's really important, and things will work differently after this date or whatever. So yeah, I had to yeah. go to the web to download it. But it doesn't make any sense because I was using the Windows up. Like it just seems so strange to me. Like I don't know why the inbuilt Windows update tool cannot give me the update. You know, like it's hmm. just so peculiar. But then once I did that and then ran a selection of more updates, which is also a funny thing, like why can't I download the most recent version? Once I did all of that, I could download all the apps that I needed and could access all the settings panels that I wanted. It's very peculiar. (laughs) So I'll say for your next PC build, there's a Mm -hmm. way to skip most of that. You actually can just download Windows 10 from Microsoft. They actually have a tool that will, if you have a USB drive, it'll actually format the drive, download the most recent build of Windows, and set it up to be bootable on that USB drive. I remake my USB drive every like two or three months for that reason, because once you do that, you'll have a couple of updates to do. But like I've had systems where from the first time it posts, to when I'm done installing Windows and updates has been like less than 15 minutes. So it can save you a ton of time by actually making your own USB drive versus using one that's out of date. This makes so much sense to me now. I've experienced it, right? But I was just like, yeah. ah, I can't be bothered to download and put this thing on. I already have this thing in the drawer. I'll just buy a new key, right? <laughs> but little did I yeah. know. Yeah, you always do need the new key. But the thing is, you can always load that key into whatever, like, uh, the install yeah. method doesn't make a difference. As long as you, when it goes to activate, you just throw your key in, it will be completely fine. It should activate no problem. Windows 144 hertz is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's funny at how, like, I feel like Windows is certainly, especially when you look at it compared to, to something like Mac OS these days, yeah. Windows feels much more... Like, there's a lot less emphasis on, like, animation and whatnot. Yeah. But even when you go down to something which by, you know, the, the visual side looks a little bit more basic, it's so crisp when you run it, it at high so frame crisp. rates. So, like, 
I'm I have one monitor, my LG monitor in it, and I have my Mac hooked up to it by HDMI, and then I have the PC hooked up to it by DisplayPort, which doesn't help the Mac in this because I can't run it at mm-hmm. like Retina resolution, which I'm fine with. Like it's like whatever, I can just deal with it. Like it, the screen is good, the monitor is great, it it does the job. Every, the text is a little blurrier than it would be otherwise if I was using like a 4K monitor or something, right? Um, and not using HDMI. When I go from from the Mac to the PC, it just feels so much smoother. And it, like it, it, the the higher refresh, like the higher frame rate is what I'm seeing because it feels different than when I would use it on my uh, Razer laptop, right? But that 144 yeah. hertz, it feels so good. Like it's so smooth feeling. Um, and every and also, I mean, again, helped by the fact that this PC is so much more responsive than what I've been used to. <laughs> like it is handling everything like i was playing flight sim on it nice and like ultimate sentence like I, that was the thing i almost wanted to test right because like that's the game right now that will just crunch anything you throw at it right mm-hmm. maybe cyberpunk but i didn't play that yet. <laughs> i think i am going to because i just want to have experienced that game dude i i played like three hours of it and i was like you know what? i'm gonna wait for them to patch it and that was like four months ago and i'm just like yeah I'll, I'll, 2022 i'll play this in 2022 yeah. it's like it's just like i will play it at some point one day i'm just i just kind of waiting for a time that i don't know if i was gonna come but so <laughs> the main reason i spoke about like why i wanted to do this is like when i was streaming i was you know the the, the razor blade was really starting to struggle so mm-hmm. just with the two cameras that i was using and Streamlabs running i was hitting like 70 or 80 percent cpu usage right Ooh. it was like so I was starting to drop frames. The, the machine was struggling. Yeah. Now with the two cameras, plus I can have a web browser open, which I couldn't have with the blade. If I opened a, if I opened Edge, just had it open while I was streaming. <laughs> oh boy, did things get bad? But like I can have the web browser open, everything. I just just not have to worry about it. This thing barely hits ten percent CPU usage. Nice. It's nice. a beast. It is a beast. But there's one thing that I was thinking about, and I and I, don't, I don't know what to do about this, but I got it in my mind. I do have a bunch of extra space in this case. Like you can see it from the image that I sent to you, right? Like yeah, on the right yeah, hand yeah, yeah. side, there's just like extra space in it, and I feel like I want to do something with that space. This definitely wasn't helped by the fact that you uh, you built that gaming PC for Leonhart, right? The Pokemon one. Yes, yes. So that was the first time that I had used the O11 Mini. And because we weren't doing the full water cooling, because essentially the way that that case is sort of meant to be set up, you're supposed to put like radiators and yep. like reservoirs and stuff that kind of fill that space up, right? But when you don't, like you said, there's it's not like there's a ton of space. I mean, it's certainly it's not as much as like a bigger chassis, which would be straight up, you know, a ghost town inside once you, you know, you build a quote unquote normal build inside. But yeah, there's certainly a decent amount of space on the bottom. For the Leonhardt build, we built a little like diorama, or specifically Wes yep. built a little diorama with all the, the animations <laughs> and the, you know, the squirtle. And, oh, no, 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 no. He did that part. He did that part. I do not do the, the model building. That is well outside of my skill set. Um, but what are you thinking? You want to put like a, a keyboard, a little like 
area down on the bottom you want to like just load it up with like extra keycaps you just pulled out i was thinking something like that like i don't know what but i feel like considering this machine for me right now is so like purpose focused around this content creation piece and like the streaming and it's all keyboard related like maybe plus i would like to at some point like when i'm back in the studio i want to try and have a setup where you can see the pc while i'm streaming because i just think Mm -hmm. it looks cool and i want to have it as like in the shot with me so maybe if i work out a way to do that like i would then maybe want to dress up the pc in some way but like that build was so good that you yeah. did for the pokemon thing oh my god oh, it was thanks, so man. good man i loved it it was <laughs> that was a great video plus like leon hart is just so heartwarming as oh, an individual he's like the nicest guy ever yeah. he is so so nice and in fact, he's actually using that build for streaming as well. That's his whole kind of plan because he wasn't able to really do streaming on his previous system. So I'm happy that these O11 mini builds all over the place are just helping enable streaming. I'm excited though, Mike. I mean, so you've been streaming. Everything has been, you haven't had drop frames. like Nothing. It, are there anything, is there anything that you want to change about the system? I guess besides the 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 cable extensions to clean up the the actual aesthetic too much. Like, do you feel good about the configuration and the parts that we uh, we ended up going? with yeah i'm really pleased with it like what i wanted was that feeling which i'm having it now it's like the feeling when i first built a gaming pc like years ago because i had pretty good specs in that machine then Mm. it's ancient now really (laughs) but like where it just felt like whatever i wanted to do it could handle Mm -hmm. like and that when you are building like a machine that's got good specs in it's like like, you want to play any games like no problem that's where I feel with this machine right now. No matter what I'm throwing at it, it's just handling it. It has no issue. I I'd really love I love the size of this machine too. Like it's nice and compact. So yeah, as my I think as my needs grow, once I'm back in my studio again, I might want to make some tweaks. But just to to the basic hardware that I got going on in there right now, I'm super happy with it. I love it. Man, I am so happy. I feel like you're right. Like at the beginning of the episode, you had mentioned like you know this has been a long time coming. I feel like we're like, what, four months into this build as you've been working on like trying to find parts and because you were talking about this like before Ryzen 5000 and that 6800 XT even had come out. Yep. This was all before the even the all any of the new graphics cards came out. I was just waiting like to try and pick up something. And I was lucky. Lucky I got any of them, to be honest. (laughs) dude no kidding man it's gotten worse not better since you started building this system it's like the more cards they release the harder it seems to be able to buy any of them (laughs) uh it's all thanks to our friend the nft for driving up ethereum prices (laughs) to make mining even more profitable see it's just a cycle man it just never ends 